Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> what help if I said hello? Hello, everyone. This is KMOD Radio, and this is Patty Holster, and we're on live. Um, my voice has been in and out the last few days, so I'm going to be probably not saying too much, but before I do, hand it over to my major host who doesn't seem to know when to sit down. Uh, call in number is 714-242-5145. That's 714-242-5145. This is Alan Joe Show. Now I want to remind you, he's going to call in to make it something that's space settlement related, please. We don't want to hear about religion. Uh, there's a time and place in politics. There's a time and place for all that. This is not the show for that. You find another show that has something to do with those specific subjects and go for it. But if you have something on space settlement and would like to discuss with anything that he said that that Mr. Al here brings up, then definitely call in at 714-242-5145. And without further ado, again, this is the next pay show with Alan Joe. Good evening, universe. <laughs> wow. Welcome to the next space. Kudos to Robin Williams. And also, Joan Rivers passing this week. Great people that we will we will miss. We will miss them. <clears throat> and both of them went out in a, in a big flash. You know, I mean, Joan's let's, funeral. Let's not even talk about that, man. You know. I mean, it's, it's too soon. <clears throat> yeah. Too soon. So, anyway... Just so everyone knows, what we usually do here is we put up the blood uh, length that Mr. Al is discussing. What we do, what what I do is during the course of the week, is as things go along, I start, I, I pay attention, I grab links of manned space related articles, and we track these. We then present them as a wrap up for the week here on this show every Sunday night. Now, <clears throat> we do focus on manned space flight or things that relate to manned space flight directly or indirectly. We don't look at, at articles that talk about the latest, greatest photographs or images or artist renderings. We look at things that are moving us towards that the next space. really, really cool and they have aliens that have proof of aliens on it. And how are you going to get proof of aliens? I'm just saying. We never know. What? You, you thinking they're going to burp or puke or poop all hey, over the picture? I mean, yeah, so they're going to start selling hairy alien puke all over the place. Hey. <laughs> as long as they can prove that it's, that it's puke yeah, it's alien. Yeah, it's got to have DNA material in it that's, that's real. Okay, that's right. yeah, okay. Anyway, all right. This well, is, this is a news that, that actually does kind of lead us into the next. The, next, the very first Thank news item this week. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it, sometimes some of the questions that come up on the surface can seem really stupid or dumb or unnecessary. Um, <clears throat> how much gravity do astronauts really need? And, of course, the article that we found was called Falling on the Moon. <laughs> 
how much gravity do astronauts really need? <laughs> and the, term, the determination is, um, from Space.com's article, uh, is that humans need at least 15% of the level of gravity found on Earth to get ourselves our cues and orientation. These are uh, findings published uh, back on September 3rd in the journal PLOS-1. Now, that means the level of gravity on the moon, about 17% of Earth's gravity, is just barely strong enough to provide adequate cues for astronauts or settlers to know which way is up. Using centrifuge and perceptual tests while exposed to varying levels of gravity, they've determined scientists, well, we'll assume that they is scientists, have determined that 15% is the minimum required to orient yourself. Check out the article, some interesting reading. They talk about several aspects of uh, getting yourself oriented and being able to move around in low gravity situations. Some exciting news, the world's th first 3D printer will launch this month for the ISS. The 3D printer, which is scheduled to launch towards the orbiting space station on September 19th. The board SpaceX unmanned Dragon Cargo capsule could help lay the foundation for a broader in-space manufacturing capabilities. Now, NASA has said that the end result could be far less reliance on resupply from Earth, leading to cheaper and more efficient missions to faraway destinations such as Mars. Now, this one I want to put a quick commentary. We're going to talk about this a little bit later. But <clears throat> a lot of people are saying this could be panacea, panacea for the ISS and space travel, but we're going to talk about some of the, the ups and downs of, of printing with 3D printers. <clears throat> the next item, and this is from, um, from the Dave uh, category, and for those of you who don't remember Dave, 2001, oh, the Space Odyssey. What are you doing, Dave? <laughs> space Station defies humans and launches satellites without permission. Gizmodo gave us an article this week. The International Space Station has a cannon that launches tiny CubeSat microsats into orbit. Most of the time, those launches are triggered by human scientists on board or back at Earth. But this week, the ISS launched two CubeSats entirely on its own. Gives whole new meaning to the word ghost of the machine. <laughs> yeah. Or in this case, space ghost in the machine. <laughs> I could not resist. Yeah. Oh, how many of us remember space ghost? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I liked him. <clears throat> He was he was all right. I liked I liked the action cartoons better I, than I talk like show when he, though. They stared at each other. I didn't see that one. Oh yeah, I didn't see that. I, I didn't like he the talk show something. version. You no, know, I love the talk show. I didn't like the talk he show. A lot of people like the talk show version. I didn't like the talk me, show. Uh, I like seeing him in, in seeing him in action against all sorts of space oh, critters. I, know. I think he's you funny. Know. I think. <clears throat> so, but anyway, okay. Um, from the Capitol. <clears throat> Get your act together, Curiosity. NASA panel says Mars rovers needs more science and less driving. It's been two years since Curiosity landed on the red planet. What's it got to show for itself? Well, it did find that Mars once had rivers and lakes. Life may have once been possible on the planet, but that might not be enough for one of NASA's committees. So now NASA's committees are ragging on NASA. It's beginning to sound like maggots eating their way out of the host. 
Uh, NASA's Planetary Mission Senior Review Panel posted its take on seven of NASA's major missions this week, all of which received a rating of at least good or fair for their plans for future missions. It issued particularly harsh words to the Mars Science Lab mission, better known as Curiosity Rover, for, among other things, spending too much time driving. Okay. To get to the science, you've got to drive to the science. You know, I mean, you, you know, I'm not even going to go there. All right. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. You're driving Miss Daisy. Well, at least that was a pleasant, pleasant movie. You know, they got something done there. Well, <clears throat> anyway. Companies are making their case in U.S. launcher to pay. With billions of dollars of potential business at stake, U.S. rocket and propulsion providers are emphasizing their respective strengths as they counsel the government on a new launch vehicle strategy. Now, we all know the government is considering options from new engine tech all the way to building a new rocket, the SLS, uh, as well as there are even proposals for even different uh, rockets that NASA should explore. The Space News article link has been posted. Check it out. Interesting, interesting uh, side notes as they get through the, the information there. Okay, moving on to international news. China is launching its recoverable moon orbiter prototype this year. Uh, China, they've announced, uh, has set its sights on ambitious feet of lunar exploration. They've, they've sent the first lander up, and now they want to robotically land a probe on the moon and return a sample uh, from the surface. Uh, back to Earth, and to accomplish that, they plan to launch the Lunar Test Orbiter by year's end with the intention of laying the foundation for the China's Chang'e 5 lunar sample return mission in 2017. Sadly, we all know that deaths come in three. What does that mean? We had Robin Williams, uh -huh. and we had um, Joan Rivers. Well, now we have sad news for a third person. Okay. Russia's space sex geckos found dead oh. after landing. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, we can't handle that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> A mean, group of geckos sent to space so scientists could study the mating habits of lizards and weightlessness have died. Apparently they had a lot of it. Maybe they were oversexed. Apparently. Or maybe they couldn't connect in the weightlessness of space. That wouldn't kill them, though. Lack I've of, known lack some, of I sex. have known some guys that lack of sex would kill them. They'd like to think so. Well, sure. Yeah. Anyway, scientists discovered that the small reptiles didn't survive their outer space trek <laughs> after the Russian satellite housing them landed back on Earth this past weekend. Now, they're still not sure when or how the geckos died, according to a statement released by Roscosmos. Now, surely they... They had video monitors up there that they could have yeah. watched them and figured yeah. out when they died. I, I don't know. Maybe they want to give them their space. I don't know. You want to give them a little privacy? Give them, for, a, little, give yeah. them a little space. Get it. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> um, in more international news, we have uh, some interesting news from China. Again. More than 30 mainland Chinese have purchased or made down payments of 50% on tickets for... Journeys offered by X-Force Aerospace, uh, Mojave, California. Now, the tours went on sale in China in December, two years after the company began selling them elsewhere, and one in ten of all bookings have been by Chinese citizens. Now, Well, there's a lot of Chinese citizens. You know? Well, that, that's, that's true. They're probably just trying to get out of their country. No, these are actually accomplished 
Uh, most of these are accomplished businessmen. The sales reflect late blooming interest in space travel in China, which celebrated the successful landing of the lunar successful landing of a lunar rover in December, four decades after the U.S. accomplished the same feat. Um, interesting article. They they uh, they spotlight one one gentleman talk about his journey to explore and and make his reservation. Um, very interesting read. Check it out. There's there's uh, some interesting details there. Moving on into private space. Um, SpaceX disputes Blue Origin over the sea landing rocket technology. You know, this week we've, this, the past few weeks we've had SpaceX been discussing the idea of putting a barge out into the ocean to provide a platform for the landing of their SpaceX boosters as they perfect that technology. And they filed a petition with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office over private launch company Blue Origin's patent for sea landing of space launch vehicles and associated systems. Now, SpaceX asserts in the petition that the technology patented by Blue Origin would be deemed unpatentable, followed by arguments against the 15 claims in Blue Origin's patent. Now, they argue that the technology Blue Origin calls specialized ought not to be considered so. We provide the link there. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> another link here. There is a contest that lets you win a trip to suborbital space with Virgin Galactic and Land Rover, the car company. It's a video. Check it out, folks. Oh, okay. All right, it is a video. I'm Land warning Rover. you ahead of time. Yeah. To the moon. Uh, the space tourism company and its partner automaker just announced a chance for you and three of your friends to fly on Spaceship Two. Find out more at Virgin.com. So the Land Rover becomes a moon rover. No, 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 no. Land Rover is just using the marketing campaign to get you there. <laughs> yeah, you don't think they're gonna. And just, just what? Uh, early this morning, uh, SpaceX achieved back-to-back -back success for AsiaSat. Falcon 9 rocket climbed into space after midnight this morning with a commercial communications satellite to connect growing markets in China and Southeast Asia. SpaceX declared the launch a success shortly after 1.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time when the Falcon 9 was programmed to release the AsiaSat 6 into an egg-shaped transfer orbit. Now, the AsiaSat uh, company <coughs> confirmed ground controllers established communication with AsiaSat a few minutes later, verifying its functionality after Sunday's launch. And we've actually got three different articles uh, that we're referencing here on this because uh, they, they take different tacks and different angles in, in talking about the event. Um, SpaceX is, of course, the darling of uh, private space these days. They are the furthest along in their space program. So it'll be interesting to see how things go on. I'll talk about something that's been out about a long time. The U.S. Air Force secretive X-37B space plane passes 600 days in orbit. Now, I did not even know the plane was still up there again. Um, the U.S. Air Force mysterious unmanned space plane has <clears throat> winged its way beyond 600 days in orbit on a classified military mission that seems to have no end. The space plane is carrying out the Orbital Test Vehicle 3 mission, a long-duration cruise that marks the third flight for the unpiloted Air Force space flight program. Lego. Lego. So here we go from U.S. Air Force Technical Department to the Lego technical consumer department. <laughs> they go, Mike, 
Lego may make Hubble Space Telescope kit after fans 10,000 votes. Well, the decision's not actually been made or announced yet, but apparently a fan created an idea for a Lego toy to celebrate the Space Hubble, the Hubble Space Telescope's 25th anniversary. And <clears throat> on Sunday, his design for a model of the orbiting lab topped 10,000 votes on Lego Ideas, a website where fans can share and vote for the new Lego kit. It is an it is a very intriguing model. Um, it doesn't look to be really complicated to build, um, but I could I could definitely see Lego pulling that that kit out there. I think it would be interesting, uh, and so forth. Projects to get 10,000 votes of support are considered by Lego for production and sale, and so that's just the first step in evaluating the product um, for that. That's marketable. Yeah. Wow, we've gone through most of that stuff already. Cool. We're only 17 minutes into the show. You're just talking like a maniac. I'm just, I'm just flying through this stuff like a maniac. You're doggone right. Um, <laughs> we're gonna opportunities to participate. You know, as 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 we go through here and as as space gets more interesting uh, to the general public, and we see a, a gradual, slow building of interest, at least an interest in what's going on, maybe not an interest to do a whole lot, there we will be bringing you and providing on, uh, at the end of each show, opportunities to participate. And I'm just going to run through these because we haven't done so in a couple of weeks. The first one that we have, the first link, is how to become an astronaut. Space.com put up an article where they talk about the activities related to human space exploration. The most visible parts of the job of an astronaut in space exploration takes place while they're working in orbit, but most of their careers will be spent on the ground training and supporting other missions. Becoming an astronaut doesn't just happen over eight, overnight. It takes many years of education experience to meet the basic qualifications. Now, notice that it says many years of education and experience to meet the basic qualifications. Many people aren't accepted on the first try either requiring them to learn more to be better prepared for the next try. Even then, only a small percentage of applicants become astronaut candidates, making it a hard job to get. Yeah. Now, on the good. other hand, on the other hand, there are better way, there are more accessible ways to participate. One, for example, is, is the MDRS, or Mars Desert Research Station season. Mars Society... Um, offers a uh, offers the opportunity to uh, schedule yourself for a simulation season, an actual mission held at their Mars Desert Research Station, and uh, to explore what it would be like to live on Mars for that, I think it's uh, like six weeks at a time, but I'm not sure. Uh, read the information if you've got an interest and, and check it out. Some really cool stuff going on there. Also, they had uh, a rover competition held in South Utah uh, about a month or so ago. And just this week, uh, if you're watching Rob, uh, Robert Zubrin, uh, he uh, had a lot of pictures, and, and I think, no, I saw a lot of pictures of the winners of the European rover competition just this week. So check that out as well. Um, the Mars Initiative. Uh, we've talked about that. A great way to apply, see if you can either volunteer. They're looking for, they're always looking for people to participate and so forth. And 
should be out by now. Um, Celestial Suds. Brewery introducing Planets Beer Series. Michigan-based Bell is pioneering limited edition set of beers based on the famous. So you guys up in Michigan are probably getting I first. I would love to do their logo. You would what? Love to do their logo. The Michigan Beer Celestial Studs? Special suds, not studs. Oh, I did. Yes, I did. I did kind of faux pas that, didn't I? <laughs> uh, after enough suds, you probably would uh, look like a. Like yeah, a there you go. There you go. There you go. And new to our list tonight, we're adding the uh, magazine to the National Space Society, Ad Astra. Um, uh, the National Space Society, of all of the groups, actually has a section of their website devoted to space settlement. Now, granted, most of their material for space settlement focuses on actual space habitats in orbit or in between the planets. But they do gr have a great discussion space. Uh, they cover a lot of details. There's a lot of material in their files area relating to space settlement and manned space travel. Um, definitely worth checking it out, folks. Uh, <clears throat> at this point, uh, it's time for us to take a break. My mouth is getting dry. I need a drink. Celestial Suds. Nah. <laughs> that was just a suggestion. Well, yeah. So we'll get a pause here for station identification, uh, local events, things like that. Take it away, Joe. <laughs> this is K1 Radio, and I'm actually taking a um, one minute, two second break here. Be back in a few.
Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> he, said, he, he said, how much time do we have? And I'm looking at, uh, we don't have any. <laughs> uh, okay. So this is KWOD Radio, and this is Patty Holtran. And, of course, we're on the next space show with Alan Joe. Take it away, Al. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about those poor geckos, man. I'm bummed about it. Well, you know, the geckos illustrate something, that it's it's not easy keeping creatures alive in space. Uh, and if they don't yet know why, which I, I have to admit, I'm kind of surprised that they wouldn't have had somebody watching the videos every few days to say, hey, wait a minute. You know, Something's wrong. They're I not moving would, no more. I think that they would actually have, be able to pay somebody to do that. I think they would, somebody would do that for free. Well, this is the Russians. And, and hey, they like their some, vodka. There's so, some weird people out Maybe there. they didn't give them enough vodka. I don't know. But, uh, well, and then there's the space station. I mean, launching its own satellites without permission. I mean, yeah, and you yeah, got to, you know, yeah. if you read the article, it, it's actually kind of scary. Because... They describe these launchers as satellite cannons. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they I mean, can launch a satellite, what else could they launch? Okay, they there's, there, there's, there's a thought. And, yeah. you know, these satellites, I mean, they're not huge by satellite We're talking standards. about Russians up there, aren't we? Huh? We're talking about Russians up there. No, 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 no. This is the International Space Station. Yeah. There are Russians up there, but there's Americans and Europeans and... Okay, but the point is there's Russians there. So, what's your point? <laughs> what's the point? Uh, hey, the political climate, the Russians are actually getting pretty hot. What do you mean getting really hot? <laughs> well, they're apparently not watching what's going on. Well, I know what they're doing in the Ukraine and all that kind of good okay. stuff. Yeah, well, you know. There you but... go. The part of Ukraine, hello, is part of Russia. Well, it's not at the moment. But looking like it could end up that way. Well, whether they like it or not. Yeah. Well, that, well yeah, maybe. But see, that's that's politics. We yeah. didn't want to talk yeah, politics. Yeah, I know we want to talk about politics. All right. Sorry. But you know what? But you said, three, hey, you know, something shooting no. people. See, see people shooting things off in the ISS. Is not well, shooting. here's the thing. One of the things that I've talked about before. I'm shooting off things. <laughs> Or geckos, they should have been shooting off more. They've been shooting, been shooting off their loads <laughs> instead of the space station, right? Exactly. All right, come on, calm down. Back to Earth for just a moment. One of the problems when we become dependent upon technology to such a degree that we have to monitor that technology to make sure it don't do something weird, like launching satellites out of sequence. Yeah, launch them in sequence, for goodness sake. And here's here's one of the things. You know, I, I, you remember Jurassic Park. Do you remember the first Jurassic Park where the, the tall, geeky-looking guy, uh, as they're getting chased by dinosaurs, and they find these eggs, and he says, nature finds a way? Yeah, you know who that was. I can't Jeff remember. Jeff Goldblum. His, yes, Jeff Goldblum. Played who? He played one of the doctors. One of the, 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 yeah. the guys. Yeah. And anyway, the, the point that he talks about... He said, he said nature finds a way. May nature finds a way. Right. But the reason 
the, the core reason that nature finds a way is because nature is so freaking complex. That there's always some cause and effect that can chain react and trigger something that ends up allowing two male creatures to give birth to an egg that can be viable on hatch. Or two females. It happens all the time in nature. God in nature, man. No, it doesn't, actually. There are, there are many creatures out there where two females or two males, uh, where one of them actually flips sexes. One becomes the opposite. Yeah, and, that's and they do their thing. Man. Well, yeah. What but did they, what did they decide who's going to be the man or woman? I mean, they don't. Just whoever switches first, and then they stay. Of course, if they're going back and forth, like the mirror kind of thing, you yeah, remember that? That could get dizzying. Yeah. But anyway, back to my discussion here. This is the thing about the space station. When technology gets so complicated, so complex, that we inadvertently or advertently can lose track of what's going on, we have a problem. The system is too complex. Yeah, seriously. And this is one of the challenges that I think we're going to face as we begin the Settler's Road in the coming decades because we cannot be depending on this level of technological um, complexity and hope that we can avoid something that might say, oh, accidentally release an airlock or, oh, accidentally pump out air from the, the wrong room. I mean, both of these instances represent real-life examples of what happened in the movie 2001. The computer just went a little haywire. Just a it, little. Just a little. But that just a little steamrolled into something big. And who's to say uh, that the ISS doesn't run into a host of other challenges that on the surface are probably small, little, day-to-day -day little things that don't quite work right. But that taken together, who knows? Space Ghost may be up there tooling through the the electronic byways oh, of the I ISS. And so That's the sad. challenge that I think we face as we look forward to settling space is we need to bring this technology into control. We need to gain an understanding of what it is that we really need to do as opposed to what the engineers want to do. There are some things that's just more effective if we do it the nature way or we do it a little less complicated. Sometimes I think we Maybe spend... Maybe that's what happens to the geckos. Well, that's what's what I'm saying. Whether it's the space station launching satellites without human intervention, whether it's um, geckos the geckos left unmanned, unwatched, leaving them unsupervised, and, um, and no babysitter. See what happens. Well, yeah, you know, no chaperones. That's that's the thing. You know. Um, <laughs> That's what they get for sending geckos into space unchaperoned. They should have had at least one Amish gecko up there. <laughs> Keep them in line. 
and maybe a rooster gecko to keep them active. <laughs> what? Are you getting bunchy over there? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and and you know I I I really gotta hand it to this crew here. If we're gonna if if we're gonna throw jabs at people, <laughs> let's let's go down the list. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you know, when it comes to to the to the to our first article tonight, falling on the moon, how much gravity do astronauts really need? <laughs> I just said. Okay. The thing of it is, I I can see. Okay, here on Earth. What gravity do astronauts really need? Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I can see us as as here on Earth. How many of us, or how many of us know somebody who is at the gym every day, working out? All right. Personally. Oh yeah, there's there's loads of I people. I haven't known anybody who did that every day. Yeah. Now. I've been in that I position. I, I I've been in that position recently. Uh, oh, really? In this last year, I was going over to a man the thing. Well, no, oh, not, wait a minute. not you know, necessarily. I know a woman who's been yeah. every day. Not every day, but even so, two, three times a week. Yeah. yeah. Consider this. I mean, being on the moon. If you want to consider yourself. To be able to return to Earth, okay, what are you going to do? You're going to have to go down the hall to the centrifuge room and sit in the centrifuge for an hour every day or every other day. It'll be just like working out here on Earth. It becomes part of the routine. One of those aspects of life that we hadn't really thought about. And, you know, the reality is, is that Mars will have the same requirement as does Earth. So, too, will any settlements in space that aren't rotating to create an artificial gravity. You guys, seriously, you're not calling in? I mean, come on, people. <laughs> it doesn't get any weirder than this. <laughs> and, oh, I remember I wanted to talk about our second article tonight, the idea of the 3D printer in space. You did? I did. Okay. I mentioned something. Because here's the thing. You know, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about 3D printing, and there's 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 a lot of people uh, out here who are really getting excited about 3D printing, especially as they're setting up a 3D printer to go to the ISS. And now, you know, I, I gotta I gotta say, I don't know how complicated this thing is that they're sending to the ISS, but I know that a lot of people could go down and buy a 3D printer for a couple hundred bucks and have it shipped to them that week. Why is NASA taking nearly four months to get a 3D printer up there? You know, I mean, come on. I don't know. Um, I know that gravity plays a part in a 3D printer, but I also know that the surface tension of the plastics or the metals or whatever it is that you're depositing on the onto the platform has a surface tension that would probably overcome the zero microgravity that's in the space station. So, I, I, again, I really wonder why it takes NASA so freaking long to send something up for the ISS to play with. Make sure it's safe. But here's here's some other issues. I wonder how long it took them to decide to send those geckos. No, that wasn't NASA. That's the Russians. They yeah. do, they they get drunk and decide to do something. 
Oh, they hey. love their vodka. Let's see what happens if we send these chuckles up and play. Well, here's the other thing, too. When you look at the two programs between NASA and and the Russians, or before them, the Soviet Union, the, the two programs took different two different approaches at the, the way of getting into space. The Russians have always been about incremental making making general progress along the way, and the downside is that... Um, um, they had a lot of casualties in both animals and equipment that the U.S. didn't necessarily experience. However, the U.S. threw bucket loads of money at it and bucket loads of people and engineers that the Russians didn't. And while our program got a slower start, once we got everything in place and the foundation in place, man, it took off and really went places. But back to 3D printing, there are several challenges that are to be represented in trying to do 3D printing. Specifically, this article talks about uh, lay the foundation for broader in-space manufacturing capabilities. Well, it's important to understand, 3D printing has come a long way in the last few years. What started out as a basic um, uh, plastic modeling kit that you could buy and build and and create your own figurines for gaming or perhaps create cute little figures or objects, uh, object de art, now has grown where you have additive manufacturing in metals. And uh, there are even people experimenting on doing this with, with carbon directly. There are... There are uh, Plastics. There are also things trying to do it with other materials, and it's getting downright interesting. Um, the challenge is, though, is that when you take metal, for an example, and you heat it up to the temperatures in order to make it possible to to construct an additive manufacturing position, you're talking some huge temperatures here. Really substantial temperatures. And then the equipment has got to be engineered just right to be able to deposit that either soft or molten metal material onto the substrate and then have that move. Now, the, the mechanics of just moving the platform down the right distance and so forth based on the temperature and the flow of the metal, that, that's not a big problem. That can be worked out fairly easily. It's going to be handling all the peripheral issues facing additive metals manufacturing in space because that's heat. Yeah, I asked you about that before. And they already struggle with heat dissipation on the ISS. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> and that's without friction-based activities. See, I got you. I got you. I know where you were headed. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, I, I have to admit, this whole bit about the, the article where one part of NASA is chiding the other part of NASA that you don't have enough science going on, you know, I just, 
The rover itself is a science experiment. Just driving it is a science experiment because you've got you've got route planning, you've got all of the the engineering and calculatory components that go into driving the rover. Um, there is obstacle avoidance. There's route planning. Uh, you got climbing and diving. Plus, they've also got challenges with the rover's the wheels. Oh, heavens, I, would, I don't know about that. I'd hate to think about their insurance policy. <laughs> and heaven forbid that you get a backseat driver up there. <laughs> you know, that rover just ain't big enough for one driver, much less two. <laughs> they say it's big as a beetle. What size of beetle? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot to consider. And I, I, I truly believe that in the stage that we find ourselves today, NASA is increasingly entrenching itself in technological solutions that end up becoming more complex and more convoluted as they go forward. And this will be the death knell for their programs if they can't get it together and really look at the way some of these uh, companies like XCOR and, and Virgin and, and uh, yes, SpaceX, uh, and to a certain degree, Blue Origin. There there was an article that I ran across. Somebody posted it uh, this this week again. It's, it's a three-year-old article. But in the article, um, I don't have the reference. It was on Facebook this week. Um, one of the agencies did a review of the costs associated with the various different mission systems available, or at least some of the various systems. And the conclusion that they drew was that, on average, private launch services are currently running about half the cost of a NASA contractor launch, right. or a NASA cost plus contract that ends up in launching a vehicle that NASA owns and then throws away. Um, and at first, I, I while I perused the article and remembered seeing it three years ago, the thing is, again, NASA's digging itself a hole. It's a great organization. They do good work. They do exploration work. But the reality that face that we face right now is that they've put us on a course to transition to the private sector. And for those of you who may say this is a bad thing, I'd say turn around and look at the history of the railroad. Look at the history of the Maritime Board. Look at the history of shipping and aircraft and airlines. All of these started out either as a government program or as a government-subsidized program or as something like SpaceX where the government said, you build it, if it's good enough, we will use it, and you charge us for the use. What's happening with SpaceX and ultimately the commercial crew system is no different. 
and it is a natural progression of these types of technologies as they move into the consumer to take advantage of the consumerism and consumer options. Uh, as we talked about tonight, uh, China has, has sparked and joined in the space tourist interest wave um, where wealthy Chinese travelers are picking up and putting their deposits down for trips offered by Xcor Aerospace. Uh, we also know that there have been various worldwide people expressing interest, uh, celebrities and so forth, in Virgin Galactic, pardon me, in Virgin Galactic and, and its offers. They've got paid uh, uh, deposits for quite a few tickets, well, several months into their launch schedule. And granted, as we move forward, each of these companies is going to suffer minor setbacks, as SpaceX did with the recent loss of one of their uh, booster test rigs. But these are ways that we learn and we move forward and make it better the next time. And SpaceX is demonstrating that with the AsiaSat launch success. So with that, I think I've talked myself out tonight. Amazing. Isn't that scary? That's scary. <laughs> um, I have a project in the works, folks, that we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. Uh, I'll share it with you. Uh, we're starting to uh, expand a little bit, but this project will be of, of interest to space settlement. We'll be starting some groups to discuss some of the components. And so keep, stay tuned. Uh, Keep a watch with us. We'll be introducing some of the details as we go forward uh, each week. Uh, we'll also be starting to introduce uh, small articles that will be talking about things that will be relevant as we go forward and begin looking at settling space and the planetary and uh, satellite bodies that are available to us. And just as a, as a, as a final note, let's let's identify the first five solar system objects that represent reasonable targets for us to settle. The first is the moon. The second is Mars. The third is Callisto and Jupiter. And Ganymede, a little closer further in. And lastly, Titan. Out I, Saturn? Yes. I want to say Saturn. Yeah. Uh, Saturn's moon, Titan. Now, I don't see any reason that we have to wait 20 years or 8, 15 years or another, excuse me, what is it? Uh, see, this is 14, so that, that would be four years for the, I think, the earliest launch to Mars. I want to say 2018 is the earliest scheduled launch to Mars. Now, why should we have to wait to establish the Underground Railroad, as it were, to get immigrants or settlers up there? Until we establish the foundation for commerce in space, we are going to be challenged 
at doing anything else in a cost-effective manner. On that note, I am going to say good night and best wishes to everybody. If you've got an interesting idea, concept, topic related to manned settlement or manned space travel, give us a shout. Let us know. We'll cover it. Challenge us. Question us. I dare you. Back to you, Joe. So we're going to be here next week. For the space next space show with Alan Joe. This is Patty Holtrand, and I am just winging it today. Um, we have another show, RKWOD Radio. We've got, I've got a show on Wednesday. 5.30 p.m. with T.M. Williams, my, my buddy, Tina. We've got uh, so many books that she's got coming up that we are going to take a good hour just to discuss all the different books. So with that, I'm going to let you guys go. It's K-Wild Radio. This is Patty Holster and signing out. And again, 5.30 p.m. on Wednesday will be our next show. Rolling out your phone. Whoa.